is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. The best of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wireside covering the Arizona Cardinals. And this is episode 406 or and part two of our NFL Combine recap and discussion. Seth Cox is, is with me as he normally is, for although we don't always get him for the second show of the week, from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the USA, not the USA Today, but rather the SB Nation, Arizona Cardinals site, and one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. And because we're talking Combine, we have... His co-host, Justin Higdon, from the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Uh, we get a bonus. Basically, we get two extra episodes of the original Draft Breakdown podcast, which y'all should be subscribed to. It's everywhere where you can get podcasts. And then if you want a little extra, make sure you join the the Patreon level. The, they've got a couple of tiers, the $2 a month, where you get the extra show that they do, $4 a month, and you also get the written content that they add, which is kind of clutch at this time of year as well. Um, Justin, welcome again to the show. Glad to have you back. We've, we've talked offensive pro- we talked. We talked offensive players on our last show. We had you on about a month ago to talk about the senior ball, but now we get on the defensive side of the ball. Thanks for thanks for talking again, even though we're, we're you know, um, I, I think I'm getting more out of this than you're getting out of it from us, I think. I love talking with you guys, though. Every year uh, we get to link up and, and talk, and uh, I get a, a new perspective on what the Arizona Cardinals need every year, even though I live – in Chicago, but uh, hey, why not? Hey, so it, on our last show, we were talking all about position by position, the the offensive players, but now we will focus on the position groups here on the defensive side of the ball. We've got the defensive interior, the edge guys, the off-the-ball linebackers, corners, and safeties. We're not going to talk about specialists. There's nothing to talk about with specialists in the combine. That's just dumb. So let's jump right in. Interior defensive lineman, the defensive interior, which is an area the Cardinals probably should address. They've got Zach Allen in free agency, J.J. Watt retirement, retiring, and then mostly a bunch of okay-ish players. You know, Jonathan Ledbetter, Richard Lawrence, a guy that can't stay healthy, Lucky Fotu, who has, you know, on the high end could flash and, and become something special, but thus far has just been an okay player as a reserve, you know, they, they need, you need guys like that. But if they're going to play defense, the way Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollins wants to, they need difference makers. Do we have any athletic difference makers on the defensive interior outside of Jalen Carter, whom, you know, could have been a top three pick. Um, but with what happened in, in, in Athens, Earlier in the year, it looks like that prob- he probably won't be, even though he's rated number one prospect by some, he's probably not going to the top ten right now. I mean, uh, I think I would ask you guys, you and Seth, like, what do you think Jonathan Gannon is looking for in an interior defensive lineman? Because... Uh, Seth and I talked about it on uh, the original Draft Breakdown podcast earlier this week, but um, there are quite a few talented guys that we could project to be like penetrating, pass rushing, defensive tackles, but they're small. And so what do you guys think is, is uh, you know, thinking about what Gannon ran in uh, Philly – and what you think he's going to run in in uh, now in Arizona? What are what do you think the Cardinals are looking for? Because they're I think this is a talented uh, defensive tackle class. It's it's interesting it's, to think about that because if you look at they had Fletcher Cox already, right? They signed Javon Hargrave and then they drafted Jordan Davis. So if 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 we have something, Fletcher Cox was a the guy they already had, but they went out and got Hargrave. 
Mm-hmm. And then they drafted Jordan Davis. So I'm guessing. And Hargrave is an interesting one to bring up, Jess, because um, there are a, a, quite a few guys that kind of project like him, right? The the kind of smaller, interior, athletic, but nose tackle types. So they've got two very different body types because Jordan Davis, now granted he was, you know, like you talk on the show, this this very show last year. His athletic comp was a grizzly bear. Um, we've never seen anybody like him. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. So... And, and and that's why I always thought the Jalen Carter number one overall thing was kind of funny because you had a bigger, <clears throat> like in every way, bigger, more athletic guy on the same defensive line last year, and nobody was saying he was the number one pick. And and now you have a, a you know Jalen Carter. You know, before the off the field thing comes up and he compares athletically, we didn't see him test, you know, but we can project because he he was expected to run in the five uh, second range in the 40 at about six, three between 300 and 315. Um, And I think he actually did measure. So I'll I'll look at. Yeah, Yeah, he's six, three and an eight, three, four, three, 14. Good arm length, like big, big guy. Like he, he checks every box size wise, but he doesn't have the production. And even if you uh, project like a five second 40 or even a four nine, like he's not that much different than some of the Alabama guys that we've seen come out like Quentin Williams or uh, Jonathan Allen, right? Well, the uh, question is, and this is the debate I know that you guys have. Is a guy like Jalen Carter who didn't have like six sacks in two seasons, uh, what is it, 13 and a half, maybe 15 right. tackles for loss over two seasons. You, Quinn and Williams, it took him year four to be to give any right. sort of real pass rushing production. Is yeah, exactly. Carter worth a top five pick despite what some of the analytic metrics in terms of disruptions and pressures and that? If you're not getting statistical impact in the pass rush is no i think i I don't think so i mean and i think you can throw out the off the field stuff i mean that that isn't um you know that's definitely a consideration for nfl teams right and that's going to drop him but um if you even before that came to light we were saying no it's not worth it because your your return is isn't going to happen for a couple of years like that that just has been the mo for all these um interior defensive linemen because they have to develop into a full-time player right because they usually come out of college playing what 30 percent of the snaps yeah exactly exactly jess and and if you look at the uh georgia ohio state game how many times did they show and i think i talked about this before on the show but maybe maybe not but uh, how many times did they flash to Jalen Carter during the Ohio State Georgia game, which was a tight game, came down to the wire? Jalen Carter was on the sideline in a lot of those flashes, and it, I'm not saying they stinks. What I'm saying is guys that big on that play defense tend to play low snap counts, and when they get to the NFL, especially, it starts out about thirty percent. And then it builds up after a couple of years to 50, 60%. And um, this is something Seth and I talk about every year. And even at the max, at the max, it might get to 80%. That takes a lot of NFL conditioning to get to that point. And that's when you get your Quinn and Williams year four having double-digit sacks. So you have to be really patient with these guys. They're not going to be immediate impact guys, and that's why I have a problem with uh, with Jalen Carter being a top five guy. You do have some guys that you know would be interesting on day two. Kalijah Cansey, he's very undersized, though. Um, do you think Cansey makes it to day two, though? Because I don't know. honestly, his comp is, you know, his helmet comp is Aaron Donald, but also his height weight speed comp is Aaron Donald. But we I think yeah, I mean that's just such a tough comp to make and, and, and take, he went but, to Pitt too. 
Right. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. This helmet comp. Yeah, like, you just, so, but, but I mean, like Aaron Don went, what, 13th? Yeah. And so I I'm saying like, is, you know, after that, there's like 19 other picks. Is Kansi going to get past that? Probably not. Um, let me ask you about a couple guys, Jay, because, you know, one of the things that we talk about is explosiveness. That's measured by the broad jump. A, a couple of these guys came in and had nice ones. Jalen Redman out of Oklahoma. Yeah. 6'2 um, and 3'8, 291. He had 116 inch broad, um, so nine feet, eight inches, which is, you know, for interior defensive linemen, is like 95th percentile. Yeah. It's um, extremely impressive. Uh, 40 and jumps and above average in the shuttle. Um, yeah. What do you think? I he's a he's probably a a third round early fourth round type of guy, isn't he? Totally. Um, you and I actually briefly touched on him on our show on the uh, on the original draft breakdown podcast, uh, but it was it was kind of fleeting. We didn't get a lot of time to talk about about him. But I mentioned that athletically, he compares to Geno Atkins. And Geno Atkins was a fourth round pick and then had a fantastic career. And and the thing is, like Redmond, he's gonna turn uh 24 years old here in a few days. So that's probably holding him back. Uh back when Geno Atkins was drafted, what held him back was the size, but uh we're not worried about that as much now. So uh yeah, I I think your read on this is right. Third, fourth round, and you're going to get, um, you know, a very athletically gifted player. And the the thing that people are going to ask about with Oklahoma players coming out these last few years is work ethic, because that's been like we had Perry and Winfrey go early fourth round last year, and he just didn't see the field that much. But uh, the Cleveland Browns are expecting good things out of him. They they seem to have turned a corner. Um, is is this going to be a situation like like that where he's kind of a slow burn? But Redmond is is the type of player I take on day three. Yeah, a couple other guys that fit that: uh, Zach Pickens out of South Carolina, um, Dante Stills out of West Virginia, Moro. You've been a Dante Stills guy for a long time. Right. Yeah, I've, I like him. But the guy that yeah. really intrigues me and a guy that I think you could make a case for in the uh, in the third round is Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. Yeah. Another guy that you've been on for a long time. And he's a little bit, I mean, he, and by little, I mean, he's 20 pounds bigger than these other guys we're talking about. And he yeah. had a one 111 inch broad jump. He's also so. like two years, a year and a half half two years younger right and he had a really good three cone average short shuttle um he's got really long arms for a defensive player at at 33 and 7 8 inch um you know and he he's got some really good tape um as Seth, well. let me ask you this because your your guys coach i mean at 64 with those long arms and this athleticism there, there's probably some schemes where he's playing outside, right? Right. If they want to go into a three-man front, he's a guy that can play outside with his athleticism and, yeah. and short area movement ability. So, you know, you look at it, Benton's a guy that I think would make sense on day three. Um, you know, he's got... Do you think he gets day three? I mean, because... Oh, sorry, sorry, round three. I meant round three. Yeah, right? I mean, because I, I think, like... Projection-wise, if it, based on the scheme and what you're talking about testing, like you mentioned Pickens, Stills, Redmond, those guys are all skinnier, um, older, and they're not like Ben, I think, might be a, a third-round guy. The last guy I think we need to mention along the defensive line um, that really stood out was Gervin Dexter out of Florida. Um Talk about just a mammoth person. Six, six, five and three quarters, 310 pounds. He ran a 48840 and then had a 
31 inch vertical and 110 inch broad jump. And you might be saying, well, that's a, but like, this is a defensive player. Um, you know, he's going to be a watch because. And he doesn't turn 22 until October. He is young. Yeah. And so interesting to watch because he's got some really high end, high end athletic comps, but he didn't produce like those guys did. Yeah. Coming the guy, up. the guy um, brought up on our show on, on uh, the original draft breakdown pie was uh, Leonard Williams. Right. So he's got that kind of potential, but in that scheme, I think he's kind of handcuffed, but you, if you get uh, Leonard Williams on day two, you're winning. I know Jess wants to talk shortly about Nesta Jade Silvera, who had a really, really nice testing. Um, six one and a half, but 304 pounds. But he, you know, at 304 pounds for him to go, the 40 yard dash wasn't anything impressive, but he had a he had a 110 inch broad jump, which again, when we're talking about explosiveness off the ball, that's what you're looking at, right? He's a day yeah. three guy all day. And now, how do you a, produce? Because you guys are probably more familiar, obviously, than than I am with him. But um, as a as a guy, not overly old. I mean, he just turned twenty three. Um, but was he productive for ASU? I mean, he was just here one year, so that was the okay. hardest thing. Yeah, I, you know, he. There was nothing great about that defense this year, and <laughs> right, <laughs> but. He was steady. He was steady for that that and, group. And, you know, if if I'm just looking at him on paper, that's what he is. Like he is completely middle of the road across the board. So I would expect him to uh, be drafted. Like there's nothing. Uh, and I know he was invited to uh, the combine. So I mean, that tells you right there. We uh, Seth and I talk about this every year. Like. Most of the guys invited to the combine, or I'm sorry, most of the guys that are drafted are invited to the combine, and it's it's very rare that you have a year where there's like more than 30 or 50 guys that aren't invited to the combine that get drafted. So it's a good indication that the NFL likes this guy. Coming up next on the Res of C Red podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on to a group that the Cardinals have keen interest on especially top of the draft that's the edge pass rushers that's coming next on rise of sea red we're back on the rise of sea red podcast but cardinals talk on the web the edge defenders the pass rushers um that is there are two names at the top of the draft that are connected to the cardinals early obviously one is alabama's will anderson and the second is texas tech's tyree wilson um Really, no one was talking about Wilson overtaking Anderson until Daniel Jeremiah kind of threw it out there uh, that there might be teams kind of like with uh, last year's uh, last year's first pick, first round pick, uh, first round pick, number one pick overall. Trayvon Walker ended up going over Aiden Hutchinson, despite Hutchinson being the guy who was probably going to be first overall forever and ever and ever. Um, and then we've, Seth, you and I have heard whispers from people that say that the Cardinals like Wilson. Tell me, tell me that is there is there really is there really that much higher a ceiling for Tyree Wilson at this Texas Tech program than the proven production of Will Anderson? Yes, slightly undersized, slightly undersized, depending on what you want to do. And that elite production that he had, he has the requisite athleticism, motor, and he and has a great motor, has the IQ, and played in a big time program, best competition, and had elite production. Why would anyone take Ty Wilson over Willerson? Well, and I'll I'll do you one uh, better, Jess. I'll ask Seth uh, this: Why would anyone take Tyree? Wilson over Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Yeah. Uh, the Tyree Wilson thing, I think the, we have no testing numbers. He's been injured. Um, you know, he measured six, six and an eighth, 271 pounds. So height wise, he's a monster. I mean, arm, arm length is a monster. Yeah. I and think, so he could, tr he could play a four, three end. 
and I think, yeah, and I think the thing that you look at is you've got guys. Couldn't Van Ness though also? Right. Yeah, and so that's so you look at your your height, size, arm length comparisons are, you know, great because one of them's Chandler Jones because there's just not very many guys with. 35 plus inch arms on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, those guys usually get moved to to the offensive side of the ball. And and so obviously if you get Chandler Jones, that would be wonderful. Um, but then like the low end, and it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it certainly isn't something you would want out of the third overall pick would be Dietrich Wise, who, you know, 6'5, 275. And again, Wasn't he a fifth round pick. He was a fourth round pick. Fourth yeah. Round pick. And so, you know, that's, that's what the, you know, if, if you're looking at it, I, I guess if you're wanting to go the route of a traditional defense, like 43 defensive end, that's, that makes sense. But, but does you know, it make sense the number three pick or even a top it, 10 pick? It well, really doesn't. Let me, uh, let me take this a step further because you have this, uh, these guys both measured at the combine. They both only benched, but you have Tyree Wilson, 6'6, 271, uh, 35 and 5 eighths inch arms. And he's going to be 23 on May 20th. And he bench pressed 23 times. And you have Zach Harrison, who is 6'5 and a half. 274 with uh 36 and a quarter inch arms and uh, his birthday's august 14th 01 so he's going to be uh 22 in august and he had 25 reps um and we we know that zach harrison was a track athlete like why is <laughs> tyree wilson a top five pick, and I think Zach Harrison is gener- gen- generally thought of as like a uh, second or third round pick. I know the metrics are partially because I believe uh, Daniel Jeremiah on, the, on this podcast was saying is that he generated pressure on more than 20% of his pass rushes. So he's got the size. He, he, he has what is believed is, is high-end athleticism, like he, like if he had done his had he been healthy done his testing that it would have been Trayvon Walker like and you look at the analytics and it says he's always around the quarterback that makes sense I will say this Will Anderson like and and I'm going to say this from now to the end until the draft you know the Cardinals might end up probably run a 4-3 but we saw a slightly undersized guy be greatly successful in that scheme in Philly and that's Hassan Reddick right and Will Anderson is a souped up version of him so what maybe he's best suited for a 3-4 outside linebacker but they have in the system they're going to run a rush linebacker position from from the 4-3 side and they got a guy who is smaller have 16 sacks. So sure. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, Will Anderson is a no doubter over Tyree Wilson, but uh, even more to the point is that Tyree Wilson compares like almost note for note to uh, Zach Harrison, who's widely thought of as a like third round pick. And that's why I would be, like extremely hesitant to to uh, go Tyree Wilson with that pick. A couple other guys that you know, if they trade out of the third pick, because um, I don't want to get too sad thinking about them passing on Will Anderson for Tyree Wilson. Um, <laughs> but I mean, but look, look at it as a positive. Somebody wants quarterback. You guys might be, uh, you've got Kyler, you know, and you, you but, might have a couple extra But we could have Nick Bosa picks. too. I know. <laughs> Believe me, I, I tried to tell you guys that. <laughs> oh, I beat that drum for, I mean, you can yep. ask Jeff about that. I, I beat that drum forever. Um, but there are a couple guys at 34 
that I want to ask you about, Justin. Uh, we talked about one last night. This guy was like the super freak of the draft. Aditami Wada uh, Bare. And he came in at 6'1 and 5'8, 282 pounds, but he had a 44940, a 37.5 inch vertical. 125 inch broad and then 27 reps on the bench. Um, there's like few, if any testing numbers we've seen like this. Um, and he could be a true kind of four, three edge guy if, if needed. Right. Well, I, I don't like him as an edge because he didn't produce that way. So he tests that way. And then you, you get a comp like Nick Perry. Which it's not a bad comp. I mean, he's more first round pick to uh, Green Bay. Can he play inside though? That's the thing, Jess, and that's a great question. And uh, so he's built like an interior guy, moves no, like it, an edge. Yeah, and, and he. But if you look at where he played the Big Ten, he did make plays off in, in the interior line. But you're also talking about. Uh, him playing against, you know, interior linemen from Rutgers, right, or Indiana. Okay. Um, but one, one of the most intriguing comps that I came up with when I scanned his numbers was, what was it, Adelis Thomas? Yeah, Adelis Thomas. Yeah. And th- if you put him into mock draftable, that number comes up. And what do you see after the combine? The Ravens are working this guy out at linebacker. And the Ravens were the guys that drafted Elias Thomas. He ends up having a, a great career between um, the Ravens and the Patriots. So I think this is kind of a jackknife, Swiss Army knife type player where you don't really have, like, he's not going to be Solomon Thomas where you draft him in the top three, expecting him to play edge. You're going to get this guy on day two, second or third round, and get to um, make him like that Swiss Army knife type player. And I fully expect him to end up with the Ravens or the Patriots. Um, What about Isaiah Foskey, a guy that tested really similar to Bradley Chubb? So I I think Foskey is a player that for some reason has gotten uh, his draft stock kind of tanked by big draft because I've seen people ask guys like Dane Brugler, Matt Miller, and those guys, why isn't Foskey a day one guy? And um, with all due respect to those guys, because I I like them and, uh, you know, I've met them and they're they're pals of mine, but they haven't really given a a good answer other than um, they just don't, they're, that's not what they're hearing. So Foskey, I think, is a player who's going to uh, outplay his draft stock. And I don't think I'm I'm not making a stylistic comparison, but think uh, Emmanuel. Oh Ogba, yeah, Emmanuel right? Ogba. Okay. Yeah, so from Oklahoma State. Like that's what I'm thinking. Like he's going to go. Uh, Foskey's going to go early day two, and he's not going to be a ten sack guy, but he's going to be a, a guy who bats passes down, a guy who gets pressure, guy who impacts games um and for a day two pick that's gonna be good yeah and i mean agba is in in seven seasons averages about six sacks a year so and look at his past breakups right which is incredible for you know he had 12 in in 2021 and 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 that's what things we talk about on our show so much a pass breakup from a defensive lineman is a batted pass at the line of scrimmage. That is almost as good as a sack. You're not losing yards, but you're not gaining yards. It's a, it's shutting down the play at the line of scrimmage. And uh, I, I think it's it's a uh, play that goes on, um, that's not respected the way it should be in terms of draft evaluation and NFL production. Give me some thoughts on Miles Murphy um, out, of, out of Clemson and then – then the guy, one of the guys that was one of the studs of the combine, Nolan Smith, obviously two yeah. very different builds. Nolan Smith, 6'2", 238. He, like, here, here, we're, here we're talking about lightly faster and slightly longer than Hassan Reddick, but again, not major production in college. But Miles Murphy, who's considered one of the big 
pass rushing names. Yeah, to Murphy's me, Murphy not listen. working out was kind of a disappointment, right? Yeah, and I think like just from a size comp, the only thing that we have that's like impressive, you can look at Josh Allen, the the edge rusher from a couple of years ago, um, you know, and he hasn't been great with. I mean, he hasn't had a huge success thus far with with um, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, thank you. Uh, he did have ten and a half sacks his rookie season. Okay, right. But, um, you know, so he's that's one. The other one's Whitney Merciless. Um, but who, Murphy getting up on the podium and saying he was going to run a four five five and then not running. I mean, right. why do that? And, and especially because when he was in high school, he came in at two sixty eight. He weighed in. Um, I'm sorry. In high school, he was at two sixty. He weighed in at the combine at two sixty eight. He ran a four five seven in high school. Like, why not run? Right. So that'll be what's interesting because that I mean, the testing wise would be similar to to Allen as well. And, and I don't want to be harder on the the uh, D than I am on the offense because uh, a lot of those guys didn't either. But like, why? My my thing is why get up on the podium and say you're going to do that and then not do it. <laughs> like most of the guys who didn't run on offense, if not all, they did not brag at the time yeah. and then not do it. You had Nolan Smith, you had Will yeah, McDonald, Nolan, who both were, Smith, were big producers at the Combine. Yeah, well, I'll Nolan, say Nolan Smith, like what I said to Seth on our show is, what do you do with him? Like, do you think he's uh, Micah Parsons 2.0? Uh, because he came out of high school, he was supposed to be this lightning pass rusher, and he wasn't. And <clears throat> we saw that, he could play a couple different roles. Um, if you project him a linebacker, then his numbers are going to look better. And and Parsons was kind of the same way. Um, but then, the Parsons tape uh, the also guy, showed that he was also an elite off the ball. Like he was a playmaker all over the place. Exactly. And and Smith hasn't doesn't have that kind of tape. Um, but Parsons' tape, to be fair, wasn't that he was this great pass rusher either. But I guess his high school tape was like that, and that's where uh, Smith's tape is, is probably going to be similar. But, you know, you're projecting that. And and so you put Smith as a linebacker, yeah, it, he's very impressive. You move him to, to a defensive end, and his size is underwhelming, and his production is below average. So what do you do with him? I, I mean – there's no doubt this guy had a fantastic combine. And uh, the one thing I'll say about him, like his teammates love him and they see him as a leader. So I, w- I would bet on him, but I would like to bet on him late in the uh, first, early second round. I, I could see yeah. him playing, um, like, again, I'm going to use the, the Philly equivalent because the Cardinals were probably running something similar to that. You could play him in the rush linebacker spot, but yeah. like, if given the choice, would you rather have him doing that or would you have Will Anderson doing that? Uh, I'd rather have Will Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Sure. 100 <laughs> would, times out of 100. I and would too. This is the thing, too. Like, people are saying, well, look at, look at Hassan Reddick. Well, Hassan Reddick was a great pass rusher in college, and Nolan Smith wasn't. <laughs> so uh, that that's one of the hangups I have. And I know I get the scheme, and uh, but people said the same thing last year about the about Trayvon Walker. And I'm sorry, but he just didn't produce the way you want number one pick to produce. Look at um, it's he was nowhere near like Miles Garrett. So forget that. I mean, I, I'm not going to buy that. You mentioned Will McDonald. He he's another tough one because he's so lean. He was sick. We were surprised he even worked out. Honestly, because... Seth, he's not a tough one for me. He's old. He's light. He had a fever of 104. Why the heck did they even let him participate? That sounds really contagious. And uh, <laughs> and and Daniel Jeremiah was 
you know, didn't rank him in the top 10 until like a couple days before this. It's, it stinks to high heaven for me. It's fishy. Uh, I like McDonald, but not like that. Like he's a, he should be a fourth round pick or later. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move to the off the ball linebackers, a position that we're hoping the Cardinals aren't looking at again in the first round. <laughs> That's coming to next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. We we like to joke, Seth and I, about Cardinals and linebackers, but let, let's let's be fair. We have to we have to let Monty Austin Fort make a draft. Like they didn't draft, <laughs> you know. It, granted. They drafted Dalen Buchanan as a safety to turn him into a linebacker. They drafted Hassan Reddick to turn him into a linebacker. Then they drafted Isaiah Simmons to turn him into a linebacker. And then they drafted Zavin Collins, who was a linebacker. And that's after they he drafted also Kevin Minter in the second round in 2013 as well. So they keep trying to draft linebackers um, and do them with premium picks. Let's imagine that's not happening this time around. Who are the linebackers? Who are the off-ball guys to know about in this from the combine i think the biggest one would be jack campbell right justin yes i mean this guy was a a freak uh size speed guy you don't see linebackers this size anymore six five two fifty you and i joked that like he if he didn't have such short arms he would be a uh defensive end (laughs) right because right. every other thing, every other measurable about this guy checks the box. That but, three cone, though, holy crap! Six, yeah, seven four. I mean, he, it's phenomenal. And um, the thing about him is, uh, he plays defense. He plays pass defense just as well as he plays, uh, you know, attacking the line of scrimmage. So uh, this is a guy who, who can make interceptions, can bat the ball down. And at at six five, almost two fifty, you know, he checks every single box except that arm length, and so that's why he's pigeonholed at linebacker. But I really like him. He's uh, going to be a third round pick. And so you know, you look at that, and then the rest of the guys. I mean, there there were some impressive numbers and things like that. Owen Papoa. The linebacker out of Auburn ran a four three nine, but again, I mean, he came in at two twenty five, six foot two twenty five, and also uh, uh, one of those guys who already we already knew that out of high school, and it's not like he's like been a super productive guy since he got to college. The one just, guy that really I I talked about him a little bit um, on our shows, and then he's he was all over the place you know, in the, in the all-star circuit. And then he had a good combine was, uh, Diane Henley out of Washington state. The biggest thing with him is he's going to be older, but he was a, he was a Nevada wide receiver. And so, you know, him testing well, like Jay said, isn't surprising. Cause I mean, he's six foot two twenty five. He ran a four five, four had a, a 35 inch vert and a 125 inch broad, you know, so a really explosive athlete, the one comp I've seen of him that I really like, and I, I don't know if we're allowed to do this, so I'll do it on this podcast, <laughs> uh, is uh, Matt Milano. Okay. You know, and I, what round was uh, Milano? Fourth uh, round? Yeah, I think so. Let me double check. He might have been a third. Yeah, check that. Be- oh, well, what I was going to say. Seventh round, right? No, sorry. Okay. So that goes to the point I was about to make, but all a ton, this is a really good linebacker class in terms of athleticism. And almost all these guys are going to go on day three. And that makes complete sense. And I'm not a uh, running backs don't matter type of guy. I'm not a uh, linebackers don't matter type of guy. But what we saw, like, think about last year, Nicobe Dean, a player that a lot of draft necks thought in the first round. He goes in the third round. He doesn't play all year. It's not because he stinks. It's because they have other linebackers in front of him. Um, we saw this with uh, Nick Vigil 
with uh, Cincinnati a few years ago. Um, not because the linebackers in front of him are so good. It's, it's just like they know the system. If you get drafted, if linebackers get drafted third round or later, they are going to take a year or two to come around. It's um, it's kind of like running back, but not really. But um, like there are going to be a lot of high testing linebackers that go late, and you you really have to accept that as a draft pick. I mean, Cardinals fans understand this because when you guy get guys like Tanner Vallejo getting Wait. playing time, <laughs> who was the who's the pass rush rusher uh, guy that you had a couple of years ago? That had, you know, a couple big games here and there. It's a white guy. Yeah. Oh, Dennis Gardak. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. And that, that he was a guy that was an off the ball guy. That, yeah, exactly. You know, and they moved that, testing. That goes exactly my point. Yeah. I mean, this linebacker class, I, I just don't, I, I have a hard time seeing them taking anybody, um, until like 91 and so like i if think they... your new gm is going to save you from taking guys like this until the fifth round and that's <laughs> fantastic <laughs> it's hey, great news that is that is coming next on rise up Red podcast the best of cardinals talking about let's move to the defensive backfield start with cornerbacks also a position i think this is a position of need for every team every year so let's let's talk cornerbacks that's coming next on rise up sea red we're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web. Cornerback, a premier p- position in the NFL. Um, I mean, last year, Sauce Gardner came off, you know, out of the draft, goes into the, goes into the Jets, and he's immediately one of the best corners in the league. Do we have any impact guys like that this year? Yeah, uh, I, I, I think, honestly, I think this is probably – and Seth, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is probably the premier position in this draft class. Yeah, I think this is the best group. I think there's five guys worth going in the first round and probably 10 guys were worth going in the top 60, 65 picks. <laughs> like this is one, you have super, super elite athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, Christian Gonzalez is the first guy. Like, if the Cardinals... Well, we talked about this on our show. How many guys were sub 4-4? Four, four? Yeah, there were uh, seven corners that went under 4-4. Four, four. Seven. And then, and then there yeah. were there were two that were 4-4-1 four, four, guys. So, right. Like, like, right on the cusp. That's, that's insane. The two names that come off... Hey, that uh, Well, uh, Devon Witherspoon didn't test, but... He's obviously up there in terms of, of cover statistics. Christian Gonzalez uh, obviously was the was the big one of the big names coming out with the because he's got the length that's six one one ninety seven ran uh, ran in four three eight. Those are had the forty one and a half inch vert. How does that match up with his production on the field? So the biggest thing that you're going to get knocked on from us in this cycle is going to be that a lot of these guys only have like one year of stellar productivity. Um, Gonzalez is one of those guys. He had uh, five passes defensed as a freshman in six games. Then he came back and had five passes defensed as a freshman at Colorado again before transferring to Oregon where he kind of broke out, you know, four interceptions, seven passes defense more in line with what you want from a top prospect. Um, But that's the thing is he's a size speed guy. The production is okay, but what you have Seth is you have like really good production for one year for a guy who is going to be 21 years old in June too. Yeah. It's so like uh, you, that is what uh, a lot of people would call the breakout age. Right. Let me ask, let me throw a name at you, Justin. So there's a couple names that I like with this. Uh, these are obviously high end. So I don't want everybody to think like this is what he's going to uh-huh. end up, but like Jeff Okuda. Yeah. Okuda. Y- you could throw out Marshawn Lattimore. 
Go, uh, could throw out Jack Griffin. And then, you know, like athletically, what about- these are the, the comps. And all these guys have had, you know, success in one way or another. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you got Gonzalez. Um, it was disappointing Witherspoon didn't work out because I think there's some questions we like answered. But I think the... What, the best- what's your question, though? I mean, like, to me, it's... I wanted like to he's see a him, good player. I wanted to he, see him he's run like a because second round player. Right. I wanted to see him run just because of that. Like, yeah, and he we, has a hammy, but I mean, he's he's short. <laughs> he's I'm 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 being a dick here, but I mean he's he's under six foot. He's 5'11", 180. Um, they said he was going to run a four three nine. Um, I was dubious about that to begin with but um you know to me he's, he's kind of like the jackson smith and jigba of defensive backs where he's been gifted so much uh draft capital capital that he's not going to have to actually run the guy that i really like from a um a lot of checks a lot of boxes and then there's this one giant red flag is Emmanuel Forbes. Um, <laughs> Forbes would be a screaming pick at 34, man. I'm and I'm you, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the uh, devil's advocate that says absolutely pull the trigger on that. I right. I am a huge Forbes fan. So you're talking about a guy that, again, th- this is like we don't have any comparisons. There's literally nothing we can compare him to. He came in. Just a hair under 6'1", 166 pounds. But he has a great wingspan at 79 inches, which is 92nd percentile. Um, he ran a 4.35, and he had really good vertical and broad yep. jump numbers. And then you look at the on-ball production. So you heard what I said about Gonzalez earlier, You know, even throwing out na- names of first-round picks. Nobody is as productive as what Emmanuel Forbes has been. Um, and, as a, and and you said Gonzalez, what, four interceptions, seven pass breakups this past year. Yeah. Um, Forbes had 14 interceptions in three years, right? Yeah. And six pick sixes. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. There is nobody in this class that compares to that. Um, the, the entire hangup on Forbes is that he weighed 166 pounds, but he's six, one 32 plus inch arms, elite on ball production, four, three, five, 40 explosive jumps, 37 and a half inch vertical, um, and 11, uh, 11 foot. I'm sorry. It's a uh, 10 foot, 11 inch broad jump, right? So nearly 11 foot broad jump. This guy is one of the best, objectively the best, one of the best corners in the class. He's regularly not put in the first round because of his weight. But all these receivers are are skinny now. I mean, so... Yeah, I get it. Um, you've got a range of outcomes here. And uh, Seth and Jess, I'll, I'll give you this. Richard Robinson is like a low end, right? Who is that? We don't know. It's fourth round pick from uh, the 49ers. But one of the high end outcomes is uh, Dominique Rogers Cromartie. And Cardinal I think fans know it, that name. Yeah, exactly. And and, and had a very long that, productive career. Yeah, exactly. And so like think about this objectively in the context of today's game where you've got receivers regularly coming out in the 170s, low 180s. Like think Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Um those guys were low 180s. Think uh Devontae Smith. We don't even know how he weighed like he didn't even weigh in so let's not get hung up on the weight uh emmanuel forbes 
elite player in this class to me. He's a first-rounder. A couple of guys that we could mention uh, that had phenomenal testing. Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Um, he had a great week of testing. Uh, you know, he, he's been banged up. That's one of the big questions. But he came in at 6'197", 43540, 42-inch vertical with an 11'4 broad. Uh, so, you know, again, explosive, explosive athlete. Uh, DJ Turner was wouldn't, the fastest. Wouldn't, wouldn't Banks be a guy you caution against, though? Because he has all those great numbers, but without without the production? I think, I mean, my biggest concern is what, like, what were the injuries? Why, like, because he played, he only played in seven right. games in 2020 and 2021 like that that's always a concern to me um with super athletic guys it's just, and, it's, it's also just funny to me like where a guy like that blows you out of the water with the combine and and it's like um it, it's i'm not saying that about us like we we talk about draft all year but guy a lot of guys that we follow on twitter or whatnot you know follow you know, they cover their teams and then they say, oh, I got to check out this guy, you know, like, wait a second. Don't don't you have to um, reflect on why you didn't hear about this guy before? Right. Uh, DJ Turner was the fastest guy at the combine. We knew he was a freak. Props uh, to Bruce Feldman. Um, he was within one one hundredth of a, of, of a second on this. Because I think he said uh, that DJ Turner was going to run a four two eight, and he's had good production his two years at Michigan. Uh, you know, only three interceptions, but he had seven passes defense last year, ten this year. What was uh, he doing the first two years? I don't know. Special teams? To... No, he didn't have any snaps. It says. <laughs> so that's what I. I don't know, know, man. I mean, I'm a I'm a Ohio State guy. I'm a Big Ten guy. Honestly, he came out of nowhere and then was just a super freak. But props to him, uh, DJ Turner, um, really good production. Joey, I mean, Joey Porter Jr., did he test adequately for his size? For sure, he did. Um, 6'3", and then to uh, be sub 4'5", like... And, and the pedigree. I mean, you can't deny that. I mean, this is a guy whose father had great success. So um, uh, it's not like one of the things that I, I, I thought of when Joey Porter Sr. was on the combine coverage was when uh, Ohio State was playing Penn State during the season. And uh, they had Marvin Harrison Sr. and Joey Porter Sr., uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be like a top five pick, but Joey Porter Jr. definitely uh, checks the, all the boxes. Uh, he's going to be a really good player. And and I don't think like that's a guy that's going to be available in the Cardinals range unless they trade back way far. Like I think yeah, if they move, I, I, I totally agree. I think if they move back in inside the top ten, like from from like seven to nine, you don't you think a, Joey Porter Jr. is going to go like top twenty? Yeah, he's going to go. Yeah. I feel like in that fifteen to twenty two range. Yeah, um, probably end up with the Steelers, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we mocked him to the Buccaneers, but yeah, that was probably me trying to avoid putting him with the Steelers. But uh, and then. There was one guy that was a super freak. Um, he's huge, <laughs> and then he tested like a freak. Julius Brents out of Kansas State. Um, six well, every, everyone's going to think he's like the uh, Tyreek Woolen this yeah. year, but he's not. He's not. He's, close, he, he's more like Akila Witherspoon was, right? Or like uh, Kevin King, right? Right. <laughs> but, I mean, both those guys went on day two. Also not bad. But, I mean, both those guys had 
have had their moments. But yeah, I mean, Brent's 6'3, 198. He only ran a 4'5340, which is plenty enough fast, but he had a 41 and a half inch right. vert, 11 inch six broad, and then a 6'6, six, six, three, three cone. So, you know, a guy that can that can play in zone coverage. Um, like I said, I think I think the comp there is Akilah Witherspoon, who's been fine in the NFL. He was a, a third round pick by the 49ers. Yeah. Has been with the Steelers. And I think, you know, and so you just kind of look at him and you're always like, I expect so much more out of a guy that's that athletic. But uh, yeah, no reason. it's you know, you you have to put it in perspective because that's you know not everybody's going to be a hall of famer and that's we do these comps and that's kind of the reflexive reaction to it it's like ah oh that guy if he's not hall of famer he stinks no it's not that i mean if if you're talking about a guy in the third fourth round and akilo witherspoon or um someone like that's the comp that's the comp i mean doesn't suck it's what what you have right coming next to the rise of Red podcast mr carnal stock on the web let's move on to the final group safeties what are this what who stood out the combine who should the cardinals be on their have their eyes open for that's coming next to rise of Red. back on the rise of Red podcast mr carnal stock on the web we hit the final position group that is the safeties the cardinals have a pair of good safeties in Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, so it's a position we don't tend to talk much about. Who are the guys that stood out at the combine? Who should we know about? I think the safety duo out of Illinois, Jartavius Martin and Sidney Brown, both had really good combines. Um, you know, Martin is a guy at 5'11, 194. He had a 4'4, 640. He had the fastest 40 time of all safeties he had a 44 inch vertical which is didn't he have the highest vertical of any player period yeah so he had the highest vertical and then you know one of the one and then the fastest um 44 a safety and so that's you know he's a guy that i think you we talked a little bit about this the other day like safety is one of those positions man that it's just tough because like you said, there's two good ones. So now you're looking at like, how does a guy fit in on special teams? Has he been a special teamer and right. does he, does he work that? And then can he take over? Um, you know, so Martin's a guy that's already been that um, and, and could be kind of a guy that takes over for somebody if need be. Um, but, you know, he's he's also had work in the slot as a corner, so I think that gives him a little plus benefit. Uh, Brown, the 5'10", 211-pound safety, ran a 4.47, had a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical and a 10-10 broad. Um, you know, he, he is more of a box safety type, obviously not the prospect that, like, a Buda Baker was. But the thing but, is, like... He he had six picks this year, right? You know, and and there are so many like people were telling you and and me and us Antonio Johnson was a first round pick, and really there's nothing to uh, there's nothing to justify that, right? No, and and that's gonna be what's interesting, you know. Yeah. And 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 we have Sidney Brown and Jason Taylor, guys that we're told you know can't play deep safety uh, from conventional draft necks, and yet both those guys had six picks this year. And and I I look at um, you know these guys as the biggest thing is going to be what it. How, can they contribute on special teams immediately? Because we don't expect the Cardinals to move on from um, Jalen Thompson or, or Buda Baker with their contracts. Right. So, you know, Martin and Brown both are guys that. Well, I would absolutely. Uh, Jason Taylor is a guy who I think is 100% 
going to be able to contribute on special teams and be available on day three, right? Um, because he's he's going to be 24 uh, next year, um, albeit late December. Well, look look at these other guys, man. Um, like Jay Ward from LSU. Uh, guy who's very productive and who tested well, um, but not like not ultra productive, but a guy that they worked out a corner in the combine. That's a guy that could help you a lot, right? Right. And then, you know, the the guy that was supposed to be the top guy at the position was uh the Alabama Brian Branch. Brian Branch, right. And you know Do you think though watching him and uh certainly from the testing, I mean you guys had uh experience with Tyron Matthew. Does he remind you at all of that? Or yeah. was that a lot of hype? No, I think he does. I think he's more similar to like a Jimmy Ward. To to like Jimmy Ward who had a similar skill set coming out of Northern Illinois. Interesting. And so, but like, you know, the four, five, eight, I'm not, I'm not worried uh, about that. The way he plays, you know, but I, I think he'll be the only safety drafted in the first round. But, um, and I, and I'm not arguing this, but why would you draft him in the first round? I, well, I I wouldn't. So <laughs> right, and and that's I mean, looking at all the other prospects in this draft, I think that's one of the one one of my problems with this is like he was gifted not only first round but like top ten, and now he runs a four five eight, and nobody can answer that question. I think they're hoping he becomes uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, but Fitzpatrick was a four four six guy. Exactly, so a full you know tenth of a second. tenth of a second. Yeah, yeah. fast. So, so um, but yeah, I mean, this safety class. Ironically, one of the things that we always talk about with safeties is that they're usually like super athletic, and then right. they end up going on day three. And right. I was telling Jess about or. Yeah, I was telling Jess about this. So, like, a guy like Daniel Scott out of California um, who tested really well, came in at 6'1", 208, ran a 4'4", 5", had a 39.5-inch vertical and a 10'8 broad jump, and then had good three-cone testing. He compares favorably to, like, James Wiggins, who the Cardinals drafted in the, <laughs> what, sixth or seventh round. Yeah. And you, know. you and I mentioned uh... – Mentioned him too on our show, so right, yeah. Like these guys don't fall in love with their athletic testing because there's a reason that they're all kind of bunched together. Because it, it, it's not a shot at them, but it's kind of like the linebacker thing. Like they have to be able to prove it on the field, and the testing metrics don't do that. Like they don't weed yep. it out outside of unless a guy's like really unathletic, like a like the. <laughs> Exactly. So the two Florida safeties, right? <laughs> yeah, and then you don't draft them. And then if you uh, if they hit, you brag about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, both of those guys tested like Tony Jefferson, who had a great career, but like, right. again, went undrafted and the Cardinals took advantage of it. Exactly. And with that, we will end this edition of the Rise Up Seaway podcast, Mr. Arab Cardinals Talk. It's part two of our NFL Combine review. Uh, big thanks again to Justin Higdon for joining us, giving you guys another uh, kind of a bonus take on the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Again, I'm going to keep plugging that show. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. There's just one I do listen to, um, especially this time of year. Get signed up for, for his their show. Listen to Seth and, and Justin a couple of times a week. Get the one for free. Sign up for the Patreon you got the lower tier at two bucks a month, the higher tier at four bucks a month, where you get some written content as well. Justin, really big thanks, thanks for coming on. Um, 
yeah, this this has become a yearly thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, Jess, thanks for, so much for having me on, and uh, of course, thanks to Seth too. But I talk to Seth every single week, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> every single day. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. That wraps up this edition of the Rise of Cigarette Podcast. That's Justin Higdon. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. Thanks for listening. We should have, if all goes well, a weekend episode coming up where I speak with Kelvin Beecham, uh, free agent right tackle for the Arizona Cardinals. So we will be back soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.